0: Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We sure appreciate you tuning in today, whether by radio or podcast. This is part two of the series we began last week titled Money Talks, and today's title is Hoard Me or Save Me. And we're taking our text from James chapter four and verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And then in chapter five and verse one, go to now ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Now, those verses I read to you in James chapter 4 identify a businessman with a plan. He plans to go to the city either today or the next day, and he's going to buy and sell, going to trade things with the idea that he's going to make a profit or get gain. He's going to make some trades and come out ahead, much like someone would trade maybe in the stock market or uh, something similar to that. And then chapter 5 opens with the same man who God tells is uh, going to end up losing everything that he has tried to gather. Now, there's nothing wrong with a good business plan. In fact, a wise person who's going to start a business, Uh, Let's start a church. Uh, Anything like that, you need a plan. The problem with the plan here is that you have a man with a plan who forgets God as part of the plan. So he's going to get gain, but then uh, the Bible says, well, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you'll live or die. And the person who has put put his or her, oh, all of their identity, all of their energy into wealth pretty soon is going to vanish away. Now, we're going to look today at the difference between a stingy hoarder and a savvy saver. I'd like to answer the question, is it biblical to save, or do we simply rely on God for our daily bread? Where is this line between hoarding and saving? Let's begin, first of all, with the definition of hoarding. Several years ago, there was a reality TV program called Hoarders. Maybe you've seen it before. This show, Hoarders, looked into the lives of people who were unable to part with even the tiniest of their possessions. Maybe it was tin cans or plastic bags, whatever it was, and what began as a collection of things began to dominate their life, and what was collected maybe in the living room spread to the hallway, the bedrooms, the bathrooms, the kitchen, to the front yard, the backyard, and just overran their lives, all right? And that's what hoarding is. Now, the dictionary definition of hoarding is this. It is the excessive or extreme accumulation of anything, particularly money or possessions. You know what's interesting about Uh, Someone who becomes a, they're really addicted to hoarding, is that whenever those items begin to be removed, they almost have an emotional breakdown because they have become emotionally attached to what it is they are hoarding. Now, we're not necessarily going to look at the inability to part with personal items like this and that area of hoarding, but we are going to look at the issue of hoarding money, hoarding things. Uh, of material wealth in this world. There are several dangers of hoarding that the Bible warns us of, and this is what we see in James chapter five. First of all, those who hoard for status, for status. He says there in verse one, go to now. Now we see that phrase twice. It's in chapter four, verse 13, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow. And then in chapter five, verse one, you see it again. Go to now, ye rich men. That phrase, go to now, means you need to listen up. This is something you need to pay attention to. He says, you rich men, you that have put your status on a pedestal because of your money and your wealth. He's calling those out who believe their riches have provided them some type of special status. Now, we certainly see that in American culture today, do we not? We place people in special status because of wealth and fame. Sometimes it's an athlete or... Uh, those in Hollywood, a performer, an actor, actress, a song uh, writer or singer. Uh, today, we even have those who are online influencers, people who really don't produce anything, but they're famous for no other reason than just being online. And they gather a following and uh, they get some advertisers and pretty soon they become famous and put on a pedestal. Simply for their fame of not doing anything. It's really a phenomenon that's interesting in our culture today. But you know, we should not put people on a pedestal just because they have a lot of things. We look at someone with, you know, a lot of cars or homes or land or something, and we think, boy, they, they really have a lot of status. Well, not necessarily. The Bible says in Psalm 62 and verse 9, surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. All right, so it looks like they really have a high status, but in God's eye, he says it's all just really a facade you know what a facade is, like on a building, something that looks real, but it's but it's not? He says, to be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity, or something that is really a waste. Our value is not in our stuff. If you find your identity in the car you drive, the clothes you wear, the house you live in, that's really a sad place to be in life, because our, our identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved... You know, your identity is not in the fashion you wear or anything. No, it's not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but our identity should not be wrapped up in those things, whether we have a lot or have a little. Our identity should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the dangers of hoarding is when we hoard things for status, for people maybe to look at what we have and how much we've accumulated. And then number two, those who hoard for stockpiling, for stockpiling. Listen again. Listen again. He says in James 5, verse 1, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your misery shall come upon you. Those are powerful words, weep and howl. Those words describe devastating loss, like someone might um, mourn for for, uh, something they've lost, like death. Uh, Thinking back in in U.S. history, back in 1929, you had the great stock market crash and those who lost hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in just a moment of time. Many of them uh, cried and howled because they went from being wealthy to paupers. Many jumped off of buildings and committed suicide because they had lost all of this money. And God says here, your miseries will come upon you because your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. This is someone who has hoarded for stockpiling. They've, they've tried to gather all of these things in and thinking that is what's going to keep them secure in life. And they stockpile, you know, someone maybe who stockpiles uh, as a a doomsday prepper, all right? Some people do that, and I'm not saying it's necessarily bad to put away some food and water and that for, for a period of time. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you think that stockpiling things is going to keep you alive forever, uh, you're you're sadly mistaken. If you think by putting all of your money into the bank and hoarding it and never giving it out, never giving to anyone else, just thinking of you, that is a selfish thing, and that is that is stockpiling, and it will come to waste. And that's what the Bible is teaching here. And then those who hoard for security, he says there at the end of verse three, ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. This is someone who hoards and holds on to his or her money, thinking that the money will bring security and satisfaction at the end of their life. You know, I have so much and I'm going to work and I'm going to accumulate and have all of this. And it is all of this stuff. It's this money. It's it's these things that are going to to bring security and satisfaction. Jesus addresses a man like this in Luke chapter 12. We call him the rich fool. Let me just read it to you. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man Brought forth plentifully. Now, first of all, think about this. It is the ground. That ground did not belong to the rich men. Now, I've heard people say that before. I own so much ground. All of this ground is mine. The only ground you really own will be a a, a plot that is six foot deep. All right. That's that's the place where you're going to be forever. So you might have some uh, property for a period of time, but realistically, the ground belongs to the Lord. And the Bible says the ground brought forth plentifully. This man was a success, probably a, a some type of farmer. He He was successful and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. You see his problem. His problem is he has been so prosperous. He doesn't have enough room for his stuff. Now, again, we see that in American culture today. Think of how many of these storage units that we see around the area today. I remember growing up, I don't remember seeing a lot of storage sheds. It seems like you see a new storage shed going up in town just about every week. Why is that? Well, it's a sign of American prosperity and of people who are unable to let go of their stuff. You see, we fill our homes with all of these things. And then when we run out of room in our home and you look in our garages and they're packed full of things, you go to our shed and it's packed full of things. Well, the next thing we have to do is go rent a storage shed to put all of our things in that we have accumulated, all right? So that's this guy. He has no room. So now he has to come up with a plan. So thing. 18 he said this will I do I will pull down my barns and build greater So I'm going to tear down the old barns because they're not near big enough. And I'm going to build greater barns. And there in those new barns will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now that's his game plan. All right. I'm going to tear these down. I'm going to build greater. And then here's the next thing I'm going to do. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. You see that? He's planning here to build these barns. And then he's going to live a long time after that. And he's going to eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he says. But God says there's a different plan in store in verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. You're going to die tonight. This big plan that you have and all of these years you think you're going to live, you're going to die tonight. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? You see, the rich fool thought, I will find security and satisfaction. I will, I'll tear down my old barns. I'll build bigger barns. I'll put everything in there I have accumulated. And then I'm going to live for a long time. And man, I'm going to enjoy all of these things. And God says, you just don't even know. You're not even going to see tomorrow. How many times you've heard of someone who has worked all of their life and they they plan for retirement and all of that. And again, nothing wrong with with that planning. But if you leave God out of the equation, who knows? You retire and then you get sick or you, you die early. A lot of things can happen. And how foolish it is to have a plan and leave God out. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world And to lose his own soul. Or what would you give in exchange for your soul? Well, that's hoarding for security. And then number four, there is hoarding for selfishness, for selfish reasons. Back to James 5 and verse 4. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. This describes someone that has lived for themselves and they have even taken advantage of other people in order for themselves to be successful. He says you've done this by fraud, underhanded means. You've done whatever you can to make sure that you uh, were able to uh, accumulate while doing others wrong. You see, that's hoarding for selfishness. God does not like selfishness. We see this principle in the Exodus, on in Exodus chapter 16. In the book of Exodus, you have the children of Israel in the wilderness, and God is going to provide them some food called manna. Manna actually means what is it? There's really a hard. It's not easy to describe. The children of Israel sure didn't know what it was. I've always likened it to one of these little uh, vanilla wafers. You know what they look like. But we get a little bit of a description, but not much. But even more important is something that they are told to do that some to not to do. That some of them did do, and it showed or revealed their selfishness. Here it is, Exodus chapter sixteen. And verse 14, and when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Now, just on a side note, the manna, the bread there represents the Lord Jesus Christ, our bread of life. But that's not really the point of what I'm I'm sharing today. Verse 16, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons take you every man for them which are in his tents. Now, here's the, the command. If you have a family of two, collect two omers, all right? Let's say that's two two pints, however much an omer would have been, all right? Enough to feed two people. If you have a family of four, you gather enough for four. If you have a family of 10, gather enough for 10. Everyone according to his eating. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. You know, he had a big family, had enough for everyone, but no leftovers. He that gathered little had no lack. If there were only two people in a family, they had enough. And they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Now that's important. He says, don't, no leftovers, don't put it in a Ziploc bag, don't put it in a Tupperware container, don't leave it out on the counter, no leftovers. You just take what God has given you for today. Well, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them, the selfish ones, left of it until the morning. Maybe they stuck it under their pillow or thought, you know, I may be hungry in the morning, I don't want to wait for the next time, so I'll gather this and I'll, I'll hold on to it for selfish reasons. And when they got up, the Bible says it bred worms and stank. It spoiled overnight. It's kind of like, you know, if you have children and you send them to lunch with a lunch bucket uh, and uh, then you don't know where that went for about a month and then you find it under the car seat. You ever done that before? And uh, I'm speaking from experience here. <laughs> you you get the lunch box and you open it up, and uh, you know there's a sandwich in there, a Tupperware container, and uh, you just have to open it up to see what it's like. And man, you do, and it's grown fuzz on it, and it stinks. Well, you know that's a period of time. That's what happened to the manna here overnight, and what it was, it revealed the selfishness of some of these people. The principle is this: God does not want us to be selfish people. We're not to hoard for self reasons. Now, those are some dangers of hoarding. Let me share with you now the discernment of saving, because we want to look at the difference in hoarding and saving. You know, we don't talk much about saving in the church, but the Bible is full of principles regarding saving and investing money. All right. I want to share four of these with you. Number one, we are to save for future needs. That's a wise thing to do. Now, Proverbs chapter six Uh, we are given the example of an ant, all right? And Solomon writes in Proverbs 6 and verse 6, Go to the ant, or observe the ant, thou sluggard, you lazy person. Consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. Now, Solomon says, now watch the ant, because no one tells the ant to get out of bed, to go and collect food, but it just does that. That's the instinct God has given the ant. So in the hot summertime, when the grasshopper's out jumping around playing, the ant is working, he's gathering, because he knows that one of these days cold weather is coming. And then he says in verse 9, "'How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man.'" So we have an example here of someone who doesn't work, doesn't save up anything, and so whenever times come that they're not able to take care of themselves because they have not saved for future needs. Here's another verse, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse twenty, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, and a wise person in their house you'll find things that are of value. They've saved for things that are that are nice. But a foolish man spendeth it up. I mean it comes in one hand, it goes out the other. They're a big spender. When they have money, boys just uh just they'll just go and buy stuff and, and all that, and then they're broke again. You see, that's an undisciplined person. The Bible teaches this principle of saving for future needs. You know, we, th- we live in a society that is instant gratification. I have to have it now. And so, you know, 90 days, same as cash, or put it on a credit card. And then you end up, and you know, uh, we have three, uh, um, I said, three boys. One of them's a man already, and two of them actually are men. They're over 18. I can remember when they turned 15, all three of our boys, they started getting credit card offers. And then what happens is that it hooks a young person into indebtedness before they even get out of high school because of this idea. Well, I can just put it on a credit card, not realizing that you're putting yourself in debt. All right. So we should save for future needs. If you can't afford it, maybe you need to wait and save until you can. Number two, saving for future blessings. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, cast thy bread upon the waters For thou shalt find it after many days. That means that whenever you put it and invest it in the right places, you may not see a return on the investment overnight. But over time, and that's what investment is, over time you get a return. It's much like the same principle of sowing and reaping. The farmer goes out and sows in the spring so he can reap in the fall. Here's another verse in Ecclesiastes 11. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not weep. That's referring to someone that the conditions are never just right for them uh, to work and to save. They observe the wind. In other words, you know, well, I should look for a job today, but it's too cold. It's too hot, too windy. Or, you know, maybe I should do this today, uh, but I'd rather go play. I remember growing up, my dad would always say, you can pay now and play later, or you can play now, but you're going to pay later. And there's a principle behind that, according to the scripture. Number three, saving for future service. When we save, it's different than hoarding. Hoarding is for selfish reasons. Saving is so that we can have enough to serve someone else. Listen, please, to Proverbs 3, verse 27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not to your neighbor, go and come again. And tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. So if you are able to help your neighbor, and that's one reason to save, so you can be a blessing to others. Now, don't be an enabler, you know, if they're not helping themselves and you're just handing it out, uh, you you want to give a hand up, not just a hand out. All right, but the principle is this: is that we save not to hoard and be selfish, but so then we can help others and serve others. Here's another scripture on that. Paul writes this in the book of uh, Ephesians, chapter four, and verse twenty-eight. Give me just a minute to find it, uh, because it's a good verse. It's something that that we need to understand. Here it is: Ephesians four twenty-eight. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Working with his hands, the thing which is good, here's why, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So one of the reasons we work is not just for selfish reasons, but then so that we can give and be a blessing to other people. And then lastly, there is saving for future rewards. You see, not everything is just about this world. That's temporal. But we need to be thinking about the world to come. And here's what 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17 says. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Don't be haughty. Don't be snotty because you have a nice car or a nice home. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in them. The book of Proverbs says that riches have wings. They fly away. But trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God wants you to enjoy your blessings. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy the car. Enjoy the four-wheeler. Enjoy the vacation. That's fine. But don't just limit it to that. Verse 18, that they do good, help others, that they be rich, not only in money, but rich in good works, ready to distribute. All right, so God has blessed me. Someone else needs some help. Hey, I want to be a blessing to them. I want to be a blessing to my church. Now, here's why. Here's where we're getting to. Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation. And this is referring to eternal life here against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. When we bless people here on the earth, what we are doing is we are laying up treasures in heaven, as Jesus speaks of in Matthew chapter six, so that when we get there, we have a reward. This uh, phrase here, lay hold on eternal life, does not mean that money will buy your way to heaven. It means you will value and appreciate eternal life. So as God blesses us, He gives us the ability then to bless others. And when we bless others, the reward is not necessarily here on the earth. The reward is to come so that we, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be rewarded for our being a person who was generous and we were a good steward with God allowed us to have. Think of it like this. Whatever I accumulate will eventually deteriorate. Whatever I accumulate here on this earth will eventually deteriorate. You see, we need to have a balance. We should save and invest. Those are wise things to do. Don't hoard it, though. But while you save and invest, be a generous person. Remain dependent upon God. Bless other people, because when you do that, you're laying up treasures in heaven, and God will reward you for that in the life to come. Well, I pray the message was a help to you, and I thank you so much for tuning in today. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. Say, may God bless you is my prayer.